Day weekend. Glad you guys are here with us today. The word of the day is epic. All right, that's the word of the day. Because I said so. It's just the word of the day. So tell somebody next to you when that word, when you think of that word epic, what movie comes to mind? All right, epic. What movie comes to mind? And hopefully it just jumps right in your head, and you can tell somebody right next to you what movie comes to mind when you think of the word epic. Just take a minute or two and tell somebody around you. Now, I had time to think about it, but I have a few, okay? And one of them, one of my, maybe one of my favorite movies of all time is this movie right here. And in uh, this particular moment, anybody Gladiator fans out there? That was your, anybody else? That was their movie? Okay. Um, but what about this moment, right? And, and here he is, the, you know, the ultimate commander, um, but obviously, you know, just been through all kinds of crazy stuff. His son has been murdered, his wife has been murdered, and here he is, he's in the ring uh, with the corrupt emperor that, that did all that, and that was, you know, executed so many different people, and he just stands and stares him down and says, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, and I will have my vengeance in this life for the next. I mean, how does that not just get you pumped up, like, right? And uh, so that's an epic one. What about this one? Any Lord of the Rings folks out there? All right, a couple. Uh, but this moment where Gandalf is staring this crazy giant monster of evil in the face, and he's basically just, he just looks at him and he says, you shall not pass, you know? I'm going to try that. Like, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe, I don't know on what, but it's, it's a good line, you know? You shall not, and it worked, and so that was, that was pretty cool. What about this? Uh, this, is, this is one of my favorites, Rocky fans out I mean, when you think of, and think about the emotions that these movies elicit in you, right? I mean, that just like, your inner champion just comes out when you watch this guy, right? And you're like, man, like, and some of us, when we're getting pumped up for the day, just listen to Eye of the Tiger, just because like, there's just something about us that's like, I got this, you know? And uh, this movie certainly beckons that within us. What about, this one's like, you know, the, the movie or the moment that kind of comes to mind is this epic moment, and all of us can think of the line, when he's like, Luke, I am your father, like, well, I didn't see that coming, you know? Like, that's, that's pretty crazy, you know? Talk about unexpected, epic kinds of twists. Uh, what about this uh, movie? I mean, he takes back the Pride Lands, you know? This is my, the Pride Lands are my lands, all right? And I see you, Mufasa, like, I'm coming for you. And uh, so that's, uh, or Scar, I guess, Mufasa's his dad. You, you know what I meant. So get it right. I said it wrong last hour. It just occurred to me. So uh, what about this moment here? And you've got these bitter rivals, right, that are fighting amongst themselves, you know, throughout the entire movie. And then he's in an accident, and his, his, his teammate comes to see him. And there's just this great moment where the nurse is like, only Kinzel out in here. And he just looks at her. He's like, Alice, are you blind? Can't you see? It's my brother. And uh, you just got to love those moments, right, when rivals become brothers and, uh, and finally, some, sometimes you just got to let it go. You know, that's, that's, that's all I got for that. That was just so I could tell a dad joke. But just think about these movies, right? Think about these moments and these movies that really move us. And, and why do they move us, right? Why do they elicit this emotion within us? Why do they beckon something deep down within us? And I, I'm going to give you the reason, and I think it's this, that there is something in each of us that longs to live epic. There is something in each of us that longs to live epic. Now, maybe for some of us, that 
something has collected a little bit of dust or that something has been suppressed for some time or whatever it might be. But if we really think about it, there's something in us when we watch these movies that is drawn to these moments. And there's a reason why, because there's something in each of our souls that's been planted there, in my view, that longs to live epic. There's something inside of us that tells us that we were made for more. That life is a journey, an adventure. It's an epic story waiting to be lived out. And that longing inside of you is no accident. It was put there. And when something moves within us, it's as if God's tugging at us saying, as we're watching these movies, do you want to settle for watching epic stories or do you want to move into one? And there's something that draws us. And it kind of makes me think of how my kids, for whatever reason, they love watching YouTube videos. Like this is like the thing. And what they do is they watch like YouTube videos of other kids playing with toys. You know, I'm like, we, we, we have toys, guys. Like, I bought a whole bunch of them. Like, but we like watching other kids play toys. Or we like watching like other kids play trick shots, videos and stuff. And I'm just like, we like just watching these things. And like this summer, I was like, forget it. We're not going to just watch these. We're going to do them. Like, you want to watch fishing YouTube videos? Let's go catch some fish. Like, we're going to go catch some fish. Are you like making awesome ramps? Like, we're going to build our own awesome ramp or fort or whatever it might be. You love watching trick shot videos? Like, we made one just the other day. It was actually a good time. And, uh, and so I want to continue to communicate to my kids, but really to all of us, that we could watch or we could participate, that we could move into. And my question for you this morning as we get started is, do you want to settle for watching an epic story or do you want to move into one? And Mobilize is really this series that we're in that we started last week is really this call to stop watching and start moving personally and collectively into God's future. And last week, Stephen set up the series, and he talked about the first move we must make if we want to really grab hold of and harness this more that we were made of, and that's the first move being a move toward God, that we were made to know God. We were made to know God more, which in and of itself is just an incomprehensible idea that we could actually know the creator and sustainer of the entire universe, the one who spoke all things into existence. But until we make that move, we will never be able to fully do what we're going to talk about today, which is moving into the more that you were made for. John Eldridge, in uh, Waking the Dead, he says this. He says, if you're not pursuing a dangerous quest with your life, well, then you don't need a guide. If you haven't found yourself in the midst of a ferocious war, then you won't need a seasoned captain. If you've settled in your mind to live as though this is a fairly neutral world and you are simply trying to live your life as best you can, then you probably can get by with the Christianity of tips and techniques. Maybe. I'll give you about a 50-50 chance. But if you intend to live in the story God is telling and if you wanna, want the life that he offers, then you're going to need more than a handful of principles, however noble they may be. There are too many twists and turns in the road ahead, too many ambushes, waiting only God knows where, too much is at stake. You cannot possibly prepare yourself for every situation. Narrow is the way, Jesus said. How shall we be sure to find it? We need God intimately, and we need him desperately. So the first move is to move toward God. And what I want to do today is just give us a few things here that are more than just principles. They're moves that we need to make if we want to grab hold of the more that we were made for. And the first move is this, and I've already alluded to this. It's the return to the divine author. We've got to return to the divine author. That We have to reconnect to him. 
And one of my favorite descriptions of Jesus, by the way, is as the author and perfecter of your faith. I mean, this paints a picture of a God that is intimately involved in the lives of his children. It's not just, hey, I wrote this story, it's a really good story, go live it, and then he kind of leaves it at that. No, he is the author of your script, and he also participates in it as much as we will allow him to. He wants to continue to perfect your story and perfect you in the process of your story. And I think many of us could tell stories of left to our own devices, that we don't live epic stories as often becomes epic disasters, right? I mean, we could tell those epic disasters of the times when we lived the story that we wanted to live and the story that we were drawn into. So we can do that. We can overlook the author. We can ignore the author. We can flat out reject the author. In fact, there's a worldview that denies the existence of a divine author, a worldview that I don't think that necessarily everybody actually walks out when they think about what their worldview is because A worldview that denies God is is rather bleak. If there is no author, then there is no story. There are no authorless stories. A story has meaning and purpose and is going somewhere. That's why atheist thinkers like Scott Adams coined phrases like moist robots to describe us as humans. I mean, talk about a reduction, right? We're just moist robots. And others say, like, Richard Dawkins, Oxford professor of biology, says that the universe we observe has no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. DNA neither knows nor cares. DNA just is, and we dance to its music. So we're just dancing to our DNA. We're just moist robots, according to the worldview that denies the existence of a divine author. So if there's no supreme author, then we're just moist robots dancing to our DNA, but but I think that you know there's more to the story than that. I think you know that there is a story that God is writing in you, and you feel it within because he's placed eternity in the hearts of man. So we have to decide, are we just blind chance, or are we born of love from a divine creator and sustainer? Are we meaningless, storyless beings, or are we made for more? We can't have it both ways. And what's so compelling about God's story in the Christian scriptures compared to any other story of God or any other worldview is that in the story of Christianity, God enters into the story. In fact, he is the primary and prominent subject of the story. He doesn't just sort of start humanity and kind of kick everything off and then exit the storyline and say, good luck out there. God is an intimate part of the story in the Christian scriptures. No other faith system is like this, which gives us the capacity to really love God and to know God and to live with God. So like other systems that position the author outside the story of humanity, Christianity depicts a God who enters into the story. In John 1, 9 through 14, it says that the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus, the word, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Where else do you see the author entering the story in the way that Jesus enters our story? And friends, God doesn't want to just write your story. He wants to enter your story. 
More accurately, he wants you to realize where your story fits into his story. And the Bible is this invitation to a story that transcends us. And the first step is really discovering or recovering where you came from and discovering your place in the story. You've, you've maybe heard um, of C.S. Lewis, and, and I like to quote him a lot, and he's uh, a really fascinating mind. If there's, there's a guy that I encourage you to read, I mean, the way that he thinks about things is just super profound. But I don't know if you knew that he was a very staunch atheist. And um, he was an Oxford uh, professor, one of the most profound speakers on Christianity. But he was a staunch atheist for a long time. He had this friend named J.R. Tolkien. And I don't know if you recognize that name, but he's the guy that wrote The Lord of the Rings. And these guys just happened to be close friends and were Oxford um, uh, colleagues. And there was this other guy named Hugo Dyson. And both um, uh, both J.R. Tolkien and Hugo Dyson were um, committed Christians, and they spent time with, with C.S. Lewis and in and, and just conversations, and in one particular one night, they were talking about this idea of myth or this idea of story, and they were describing this concept, and C.S. Lewis talks about how in this conversation, he starts to come to this realization that the story of Jesus is the one true myth. And after a lot of just wrestling with that and not even admitting to these guys right away what was going on inside of him, he came to this conclusion about the gospel, and he writes this. He says, the story of Christ is simply a true myth, a myth working on us in the same way as the others, but this, with this tremendous difference that it really happened. And so he actually refers to his conversion. He says, he talks about his conversion as him being the most reluctant and dejected convert in all of England. Like he had fought it for so long and he finally just gave in. He's like, all right, God, you can have me. And I think for some of us, we are at that point. And maybe even this morning that you, you're to this point where you're like, man, I just, I feel God drawing me into his story. And I've resisted and resisted. But maybe it's time to just stop resisting. So for those today that feel the divine author drawing you into this story, my challenge to you would be don't delay. In Psalm 95, 7 through 8, it says this, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So for some of us, it's time to stop running, to stop resisting, and to run back to the author, to return to the author. No matter how far you've gone, God doesn't care. He's one step away because the reality is he's been pursuing you this entire time. So return to the author. Second thing we have to do is to reclaim our story. We return to the author, and as we do that, we're able to reclaim our story. Because God's version of our story is the best version of our story. It's the fullest and richest. In fact, if I could capture God's intention for each and every one of us in this room with a single verse, it's Jesus' words in John 10, 10. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. But make no mistake, this story, this life will be met with brutal resistance. Because, friends, there is a story stealer. A thief, as he's described in the scriptures, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He's described as a liar. But this life, this story will be met with resistance. He will work, with, work tirelessly to sabotage and steal your story. Again, as John Eldridge writes, he says, The story of your life is the story of a long and brutal assault 
on your heart by the one who knows what you could be and fears it. The story stealer offers us an alternative story, a simulation, if you will. And the more that he can feed the script to us and keep us believing that that we're just this or we're just that or whatever his line might be for you, he continues to try to create this alternate reality and keep us living in it. I don't know how many of you guys have tried this, and I know I'm behind the times a little bit here, but this VR where you like put the headset on and you know what I'm talking about? Most of you at this point are like, yeah, old news, right? But like this is new to me. I've seen it, but I've never done it. And uh, it's crazy because we went to the tennis tournament a few weeks back and there was a rain delay and uh, I was just walking around the booths and some lady's like, hey, you know, you want to come try this like VR thing? I'm like, nah, not for me, you know? And then she's so persistent. She's like, is that really fun? All this stuff. I'm like, all right, fine, I'll try it, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to look ridiculous, but that's okay, and so of course, Jess videoed me. I'm not going to show you the actual video, but um, I looked ridiculous, and so I'm putting this thing on, and they're like telling me, now, you stay in this box, you know, like right in, because they didn't want me wrecking their entire set, you know, like running all over the place trying to hit balls, and then they give me this like, this tennis racket. They just put it in my hand, and I look up, I'm like, whoa, I got a tennis racket. And it's like, and you turn around, you can see the whole stadium. You're like in it and you're like, like all around. It's like, I'm there. And like, I started to like, I'm like in the moment, I'm feeling it. And then there's this little robot on the other side serving me tennis balls. And I'm just like, for a minute, I thought we were playing home run derby because I'm just like smashing these balls as hard as I can. But I'm getting zero points, you know. I'm like, and one of the people from outside in in the the alternate world, you know, reality was out there saying, hey, you should try to hit him soft, you know. I'm like, okay, good idea. So then I'm just like trying the finesse shots, you know. And I'm starting to get a little points. I'm like, okay. This is kind of fun, you know, and it was really crazy, and like the, you know, the little robot guy was like taunting me, and I'm like, I got you guy now, you know, and so I'm serving him back to him. It was crazy. You should try it. It's, it's really a crazy thing, and I actually didn't do terrible, but the truth is that I'm just as good at virtual tennis as I am at actual tennis. I, I should probably stick to pickleball or uh, table tennis, probably, but um, it was crazy, but the craziest thing was, like, you have this headset on for a while, and then when you take that headset off, you're like, like, whoa, like, you know, it's almost like, where am I? It's a bit disorienting, but what I learned was that the longer that you have this on, the more that you start to, like, feel like this is reality, and some of you have done the ones where you're, like, in a mountain area or whatever, all of these. It's crazy, but the longer that you're there, you actually start to think that this is reality. And this is the game that the story stealer plays. He puts on the headset. He creates the simulation. He tells us who we should think that we are. He, should tell, he tells us how our story is going to play out. And he does it all, and he lies, but he lies so, so beautifully that it actually seems like reality. Because if he just told us overt lies, we'd be like, well, that's obvious. That's not true. So he tells us these lies that sort of simulate truth. And all of a sudden, the longer that we're in there, the longer that we're wearing that headset, we start to think that that's reality. And so what I want to tell you today is we've got to get to the place where we take back the story. And one of the things that I feel like the Lord challenged me with not too long ago is to say, hey, you've been letting the enemy, the story stealer, offer you the script for too long. He's given you his script, but you think we could maybe let me write the script again? And for some of you, that's, that's where you're at today. It's like, you know what? 
I've been living out the wrong script. I've been writing the own, my own script, or I've been letting the enemy write the script for me. And what happens when we put the pen back in God's hand is hope prevails. We step back into hope. We step back into life. And so what I'm telling you this morning is it's time for you to reclaim your story. Stop believing the lies. Stop living in the simulation. Take off the headset. Look Jesus in the eyes and be reminded the story that you were meant to live. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14 says, For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. So live as children of the light. The fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but expose them. It's shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That's why it's said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Take off the headset. Let the light of reality shine on you. Let the truth of Jesus shine. Start writing the script in your life. We need to reclaim the story. And it's once we reclaim the story and the, the, the true character that God is, is forming and perfecting, and it's then that we can begin to rediscover what we were made for. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. And by the way, this also gives us a level of freedom to think, you know what? I don't have to perform so that I can earn my status with the Lord, which a lot of us try to do. If I just check off all these boxes, if I do all the things that he wants me to do, then I can be all that he created me to be. But what it's telling us is, no, you're already in right status if you've trusted your life to Jesus. And so from that place, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things that he planned for us long ago. How many of you were kind of from the Mighty Ducks era? You know what I'm talking about? The Flying V, the whole thing. I mean, these were the, kind of the movies of my childhood, and I was loving the, you know, there's all of, the, all of them were good. You know, Coach Gordon Bombay, he would take this group of nobodies, essentially, and they would beat these, you know, the, the bad guys that would always lose, you know, at the end, right? And you always, like, disliked all the teams they were going up to, like, oh, man, they're just so arrogant, they're so full of themselves, like, let's go, Ducks, like, we got it. And so I would love these movies, and I actually found out recently that they have, like, a Disney series of the Mighty Ducks, and I'm not saying it's as good. It's, it's not. You know, you can't really touch the original Mighty Ducks, but there's some interesting themes. So I've watched some of this, and uh, it's interesting because, um, you know, you got this kid that comes in, and, you know, it's, it's basically the old st uh, story, but in reverse. Now the ducks are kind of the bad guys, and uh, they're all, like, arrogant and full of themselves. They got a new coach. It's like a total jerk. And this one kid, you know, he comes in one day, and he's been playing for them for a while. And he tries out for the Ducks because being on the Ducks is, like, everything. And so he tries out for the Ducks, and the coach looks him in the face, and he's like, dude, if you're not good at hockey at this point, like, why even bother? And, like, I don't know if you watch the Gilmore Girls, but Lorelai Gilmore is, like, that dude's mom. And she's just, like, ticked. Like, she's like, mama bear is, like, ready to come pounce on coach because, you know, why bother? Why? She's, like, all worked up. And so she's like, you know what? Like, I'm going to make a team of my own. And they call their team, you know, the don't bothers, you know. And so this becomes their team. And the truth is, like, 
it is a team that I'm like, there's no way these guys are going to win ever. Like, it is like, you know, the one kid, like, only knows how to play, like, goalie in video games, and it's like this whole big mess. Anyway, they, they, they assemble and form this team, and she's whipping them into shape, and I haven't gotten that far, but I have a feeling that the don't bothers are going to come up on, on top at some point, you know? And as I was watching this, you know, I was thinking, how many times have we been told that very thing? Like, I just don't bother, you know? I mean, this is one of the story stealers' greatest lines. Like, just don't bother. But here's what I think somebody came here to hear this morning. In the kingdom of God, there are no don't bothers. There are no not enoughs. There are no too lates. There are no has-beens. There are no never-agains. There are no don't-belongs. There are no got-nothing-to-offers. There are no too-far-gones. There are only masterpieces. To accept anything less is to insult the artist and to devalue the beauty of the artwork, even if that person's you. And often, we're the very person that looks in the mirror and tells us those things. You're not enough, you're too late, you're too far gone, you don't belong, you got nothing to offer. Stop telling yourself that lie and look yourself in the mirror every morning and be like, that's a masterpiece. Not in an arrogant way, but you know what I'm saying. Like what if we could just say, you know what, God, this is how God sees me, as a masterpiece. There is no other person just like you. You are a masterpiece, you are made for a mission from a God that makes no mistakes with your giftings, your talents, your experiences, with your background. There is nobody else on planet earth that is just like you. You are one of a kind. You were made with a specific purpose in mind that God created in advance and planned for us long ago. So you are a masterpiece. And I love what the Bible reminds us of in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6, because sometimes we can be looking around or like, well, that person's really good. I mean, did you see what they can do? And that's really impressive. And we play this comparison game. But 1 Corinthians 12 through 4, 4 through 6 tells us there are different kinds of gifts. The same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. And so here's the point. God is at work in each and every one of you, even if what you do and the things that you have to offer are different. In fact, that just highlights that very thing, that God has something unique for you. He cares enough for you and loves you enough to know that you have your own story to live out. So we've got to stop looking at everybody else's. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 20 goes on to say, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you. So we have to continue to do that very thing and rediscover what we are made of. And the last challenge I have for you today is this, to reimagine what's possible. Reimagine what's possible. And I know in just kind of conversations and counseling and prayer with a lot of people right now, there's a lot of you that are in a season right now where you're just up against the wall, you're facing adversity, you're dealing with hardship, whatever it might be. And for a lot of us in those seasons, it can kind of, we can kind of get into that place where like, 
okay, God, when are you going to do that thing? I mean, we read about these miracles in the Bible, and we know that it's possible, but when are you going to do that thing for me? Do you care for me? Are you paying attention to what's going on in my life? Like, where are you? And if we're honest, we get into these places sometimes where we're just facing this immense adversity, and we don't feel like we can see all the things that I'm telling you this morning and the hope that's on the other side. And I had kind of a moment, and I've had a lot of discussions with God, and I tell you that a lot of times it's just dialogue for me. You know, I'm just like having these discussions, and I'm trying to share really kind of where I'm at. And some of these same things are things I've been saying to God, like, okay, what, what is your end, what's the end game here? Like, if you could just show me, a lot of us like to say, just show me how it all works out, and I'll be good, you know? But then trust is not involved, right? But we, we have these, and, and I remember kind of thinking, like, you could just sort all these things out right now. You could just pick me up and we could be good to go, you know? And I just, as I was having some of these conversations recently, I was out in the yard and Eli's been learning how to ride his bike again. He's got the, you know, he's finally like his size where he can really do it. Um, but you know, like when you learn how to ride a bike, there's lots of wrecking involved first, you know? And he's out there. He's just like, he's just as determined as me to his to his credit or deficit or whatever it is. Like, he's just, so he's out there getting frustrated. Like, he's like, I hate this thing. You know, he's like, it's like, it's, it's all or nothing. Like, this is, like, stupid. Like, I don't, I don't like this. Like, you know, and then so he's trying again, trying again. He's continuing to do it. And I'm kind of helping him from time to time to get going. And finally, we kind of get up, and he goes a long way. But he wrecks, like, massively, like, out in the, the gravel. And he's just so mad, I can tell. And he's looking at me on the other end of the driveway, like, Dad, are you going to come? Like, what are you doing? Like, get me set up again. Like, I need to go. And uh, as I'm sitting there, I'm just thinking, like, like, do I go out there? And uh, I kind of had this moment where it's almost like the Lord was connecting some dots for me and almost asking me, why aren't you going out there right away? And I started to kind of walk out there just to kind of approach. And and it was kind of like him asking, well, why didn't you go out right away? And then I saw Eli, he gets back up onto the bike, he gets up, and he starts riding. Like, he gets himself back up, and he doesn't, he rides on past me, just gives me this little smile as, I, you know, he comes by. And it's that, when it occurred to me, well, why didn't I go out right away? Because I wanted him to see what he's made of. I wanted him to see what he's made of. And it's almost like the Lord kind of, like, said to me at that point, exactly. I want you to see what you're made of. And if he just fixed it for us all the time and he didn't let us face adversity and some of you are like, well, I wish this season could be a little shorter, you know, or whatever that might look like. But God lets us face these things. He lets us see challenges because it's in those challenges that he shapes us and he continues to form us into that character in the story that we were always made to be. So if you're questioning God's love for you today, let me just say God doesn't allow us pain to punish us but to propel us. It's the hardships and challenges of life that really, and if you think about the movies that we talked about earlier, one thing you'll know is this, that epic never comes easy. So you want to live epic? Well, get ready for an adventure, right? Get ready for some challenges. I mean, how boring would any of those movies be that we watched if the main character just sat around drinking lattes all day and everything always worked out, and every night they sung, sat around in the campfire and sung Kumbaya? Next movie, please. Like, I mean, that's be so boring. Epic never comes easy. In fact, it is oftentimes 
from the very things that are the biggest obstacles that emerge our greatest opportunities. And so maybe you're staring an obstacle in, a fa- in the face right now, and maybe what you need to start to realize is this is an opportunity. John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, once quipped, with Christ in the vessel, I smile at the storm. And maybe you're in the middle of a storm right now, and maybe you need to throw a smile on your face and say, all right, with Christ in the vessel, I smile at the storm. Friends, you may be facing a stormy sea, but remember who is with you. It's the water walker. It's the storm silencer. It's the grave robber. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the all-powerful, everlasting transformer of human hearts. He is the divine author of every story. His name is Jesus. And in an epic moment in Scripture, which there was so many of them, a father who's just been so worried about his kid. In fact, his kid has been so overcome by evil that this, this, he's, he's overtaken by this evil spirit, and this spirit is trying to, like, throw him into fire and water. Like, I mean, you think crazy stuff's happening to your house, you know? Like, this kid is, like, just, it's, it's tr- this spirit is trying to kill him at every turn, and the father is at his wit's end, and so he doesn't know what else to do, and so he goes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, If you can do anything, just take pity on us and help us. And I love Jesus' response. He looks back to him and says, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. And then it says, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And some of us are stuck in this place between belief and unbelief, and we're in the middle of the tension, and our prayer is simply, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And God honors that prayer just as much, because when Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. He said, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit shrieks, convulsed him violently and came out. And the boy looked like a corpse that many looked at him and they were like, is he dead? But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. Talk about an epic kind of moment. And we all like the idea of a miracle and to experience a miracle, but nobody wants the situation that necessitates it. Friends, epic never comes easy. But remember this, Anything is possible for him who believes. So maybe this morning your prayer is, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Let me remind you that you have it in you. And God wants to see that you have it in you. And what do you have in you? You have the spirit of the living God flowing through your veins. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So what have you got to lose? And some of you need to create your own adversity and finally step out of comfort and safety. Some of you need to run to Jesus and say, you know what? I know this is risky, but I'm willing to do it. Some of you need to step into that thing that you know you've needed to do for far too long. After all, if God is for us, who could be against us? So I want to leave you with a question. It's a question I have on this little card that I found at some point. I had it framed and I think about this question a lot when I start to get complacent. And maybe this question is for you today, and it's this. What would you attempt to do if you could not fail? 
church and answering that question where epic stories emerge. What would you attempt to do if you could not fail? Because anything is possible for him who believes. You are an epic story in the making. So let's go to God in prayer and just ask him to continue to unlock and unleash the potential that he has laid within us. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for no matter how many bumps we've hit along this road, God, it's never too late to return to the author. It's never too late to see that epic story begin again. And so, God, we ask that you would move in us. God, we ask that you would allow the power of your spirit to really unleash all that is within us. For some today, God, I pray that you would continue just to stir something in them that they can't resist, that you would stir something in them that they just have to do, whatever that looks like, to take that risk, to step out in that way. Would you do that today, God? And we, God, just want to pray your kingdom come. Your kingdom come in us. Your kingdom come to our families. Your kingdom come to our church. Your kingdom come to our community, to our society, to our world. Your kingdom come, God. We want it to be as it is in heaven. So we just pray that prayer. We trust in you. We ask you, God, to move us into the more that we were made for.